We have been in a, um, a series of, of conversations about the kingdom of God, this, uh, this idea we find in the life of Jesus from, from really the beginning of his ministry all the way to uh, his ascension to heaven. Jesus kept talking to everybody he met about the kingdom of God. And not only Jesus, but all of the leaders of the early church, they talked about the kingdom of God too uh, because they had heard Jesus talk so much about it and because they had experienced what it meant to live in the kingdom of God. And what we've seen is that the kingdom of God is not heaven. Uh, it sounds like it might be heaven, but it's not. Particularly, sometimes the early church uh, uh, leaders, they call it the kingdom of heaven. And we think, okay, well, that's that's for then. You know, when I die, I'll go to the great beyond, and, and everything will be wonderful in the kingdom of God. And the heaven is in the kingdom of God, but what Jesus said is the kingdom of God is more than just heaven. Jesus said the kingdom of God includes uh, that it has come near and so it can be a part of our life. So the kingdom of God, what we've seen, is the kingdom of God is God working out um, his authority in our own lives. That, that the parts of creation that are submitted to God's rule are the kingdom of God. And, um, and uh, because of that, Jesus said that when you live a life that is connected to God, when you live a life that is drawing power from God, um, that is a better life. It's not necessarily easier. In fact, it's almost always harder. And the reason for that is because you're pushing back. It's easy to kind of drift along and to go with the flow and to take the path of least resistance. But it's harder to push back. But what Jesus said is we can have a better life, a better life than that, because God will give us the power to succeed where we could not succeed in that harder path. So Jesus said it's a better life, not easier, but possible because of God's power working in us. But the problem with that is you have to be submitted to God's will. And I don't know about you, but that's um, that's very difficult for me. Um, the, I, I find it very difficult to submit any part of my will to anybody. When I was a kid, I woke up one night, and I, I padded out to the living room, and my mom is watching the late show, the late movie. And she's watching the movie Fahrenheit 451. And she let me watch 10 minutes of it, and then she sent me back to bed. And... I went back to bed and that was fine. But the next morning when I got to the school, I checked out the book Fahrenheit 451 from the library because I was intrigued and I wanted to know how the story turned out. And I read it and I was really interested in it. And and I thought it was a good book until I got to high school when the English teacher made it an assigned book. <laughs> and it turned into a real terrible book. I could not get through it. I don't know what happened. I, I, I really don't know what happened. The book was good. And then a couple of years later, it was terrible. And I think the reason is not because they reissued the book with changes. I think what had happened is it became an assignment. It was somebody else telling me to do it instead of me doing it. And you are not the boss of me. Okay, that's just the way I feel about things. You are not the boss of me. Even if you're my English teacher, even if you're my boss, you're not the boss of me. And really, I feel that way about God too. So so um, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm not alone. Um, uh, I think that part of us as Americans, you know, kind of our DNA is, is you are not the boss of me. It's like, don't tell me what to do. Who are you? Don't you try and run my life. I'll, I'll run it myself. The problem is that if you're like me, you find that the parts of our, our life that we run ourselves, we typically run into the ditch, right? We run right off the road and then we say, well, you know, this really stinks. Why, why is my life so miserable? And that's what I found in my own life. The parts of my life where I'm least willing to yield control to God are the parts that are the most messed up. So, so when I hear Jesus tell me that I can have a better life 
um, if I will give him authority over my life, that he will jump in and begin working out all the things that I have made a mess of. That's, that's good news to me. But there is a question, right? There's a question which is, okay, that's a good theory. But what's the reality? I mean, if that's true, then you would expect that as you look at Christians, they would have better lives, right? So, you know, you, you look at Christians and you say, well, um, Christians maybe should be richer, right? They should have more money. They should have a bigger house. They should have a newer car, right? They should all be married to movie stars. Um, they, their kids should be above average, you know, like in, in uh, Lake Wobegon. Their kids should all be above average. Um, they should all get straight A's. Um, they, they should be nicer people. They should get promotions at work. The boss should look up to them instead of the other way around. Um, you would expect, if, if in fact what Jesus says is true, that we would see that. And yet we don't. We look at Christians and if there's any, you know, if, if they stand out in any way, I don't know what it would be. It's not evident to me anyway that Christians stand out as a group uh, relative to the rest of the population. So what is Jesus getting at? What does he mean when he says we can have a better life? That's, that's the question we want to look at. Because if we're going to be persuaded that we should yield authority over our lives to Jesus, we want to know what is it he's telling us? What is, what is he offering us? Because it doesn't appear that he's offering us uh, a chance to, uh, to have a bigger car or a, a bigger house or whatever. You know, I know there's people on TV who say so, but, but they're apparently not telling the truth because it's not evident. We would see it if it were true. So what is Jesus talking about? Well, he tells us. In fact, if you read the biographies of Jesus, he tells us and tells us and tells us. He does nothing but teach about the kingdom of God. So we're going to look at one of the ways he teaches people about the kingdom of God, how he answers that specific question today from um, Mark's biography of Jesus. He says, he talks, he talks in parables. Jesus used to do a lot of his teaching in parables. And the reason is because the kingdom of God is a mystery. We don't understand how it all works. It's just a God thing, and we don't figure that out. But Jesus says, here's what it's like. It's like these things you are familiar with. It's like fishing, or it's like farming. Uh, Jesus would use these comfortable metaphors that people could understand. And today, maybe they're not quite as comfortable because not as many of us farm or fish for a living. But but we can usually kind of get close. Maybe we don't farm for a living, but we have a garden. Maybe we don't fish for a living, but we like fishing on vacation. So we can kind of figure out what it is Jesus is getting at. So the the parables are meant to help us understand what the kingdom of God is like. So he does this, uh, he tells this one parable today where he says, he also said, he, Jesus, also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? He wants to explain what it's like. So what does he say? He says, it's like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs. So Jesus says, the mustard seed starts small and becomes big. He says, he says it starts out as like the smallest seed. Now, I don't know whether the, the mustard seed is actually the smallest seed or not, but in Jewish culture, it was proverbial as the smallest seed. They had this kind of ranking, you know, coconuts at one end and, and uh, mustard seeds at the other end, and the coconut was the big seed, and the mustard seed was the proverbial smallest seed. So he says, you take the smallest seed there is, and it grows up into the biggest plant. He's saying it starts small and ends up very big. And I don't know about you, but I hear that as good news. Because, see, I don't have much room in me to let go and let God take control of my life. 
there's maybe a little tiny portion of my life that I'm willing to yield to God and say, all right, I'll give you control over this part, Lord. So it's good news to me that Jesus is willing to start with a very small seed. He doesn't say you have to somehow wedge a coconut into your life. He says, no, you can get a mustard seed into your life, and then that will grow into something bigger. So we can start small. Jesus is offering us an easy entry, an easy point of entry into the kingdom of God. He says it can start very small, but it can grow. Now, the problem with that is that something that's growing, it may not be obvious to you. You look around and you say, well, I don't know. I said, you know, I said that Jesus could run my life, but I don't see much change. I don't see much change at all. I, I look in the mirror every day and it looks like it's the same person staring back at me. We, we know what that's like. That's what it is like, staring back in the mirror, is the same person who was staring back at you yesterday. But we also know that's not true. Um, we had a stack of uh, uh, camcorder tapes from when our kids were very small, and they were gathering dust and becoming more and more you know, questionable whether they would ever run again. And Margot finally got around to, to taking them to, um, to uh, Costco. I would never, I would have sat on them forever. But Margot took them to Costco and had them converted to DVDs. And so we've actually been looking at them now for the last couple of weeks. When we've got a few minutes, we'll look at these old videos. And, you know, the funny thing is our kids used to be this tall. And now one of them is like this tall. Um, and I don't know how he got that way because I looked at him every day and he never grew. But he's a lot taller. And here's the really weird thing. So are his parents. They're all different too. You know, they are so young and... It's it's really ridiculous when you look at Neil's parents. Um, they're they're so much they're so much older now than they were in those videos. We do change. We know that we change. We just don't see it. So Jesus is inviting us to think of the kingdom of God as something that changes over time, so gradually perhaps that we don't see it, except when we kind of have our have our, 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 our a reorienting event, like looking at a videotape where we oh okay that's right, I was young once. But it's been a while. So so Jesus says, it's kind of like that. But there's another thing about growth. Growth can be uncomfortable, right? We have, we have two choices. We don't notice at all, or it's uncomfortable. Those are kind of the two ways growth happens. Uh, we can find ourselves saying, you know, hey, I don't, I don't really like what's going on. I don't like the way that the kingdom of God is beginning to crowd things out of my life that I used to kind of enjoy, and now, now it's different. Um, uh, C.S. Lewis has this great example. It's, it's unfortunately not a mushroom. Uh, uh, mushroom. It's not a uh, mustard seed. But I love this example. He, he describes the, the life in Christ this way. So he's talking about the kingdom of God. And he says, I must borrow another parable from George MacDonald. So George MacDonald is a different writer from the 1800s. He says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is, li- he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were going to be made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live there himself. So when something grows, it can be uncomfortable. We seem to to bounce between these two extremes. It can either be something we don't notice at all, 
or something that's uncomfortable and we're tempted to say, well, forget this. This is stupid. I don't understand. But God is saying, hang in there. Hang in there and you'll see what I'm up to eventually. So that's one part of the parable. But Jesus continues. We, we get the size. Okay, all right, I understand that. But then Jesus says this, this business about, he says, if I can find it, he says, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs. Why would he say shrubs? Right? If you're going to talk about the difference between something that started small and grew to be big, you wouldn't say a shrub. You'd say a mighty oak or something like that, right? Little acorn, mighty oak. You'd, you'd have a different parable. We would go to trees. We would say trees because that's what grows. If you're trying to illustrate growth, that's what you do. And then he goes on and he says, he says, it puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Okay, I mean, I suppose, yeah, mustard plants that big. Okay, but but is that what he's getting at? He's just kind of filling out the rest of his illustration. I don't think he is. Jesus is drawing on an illustration from the Old Testament. It's actually used in a couple of places. I'm going to show you um, parts of uh, the book of Daniel, and it's a lengthy. It's a link. It's all of Daniel chapter four. So I'm just going to summarize it. But um, Daniel is. Um, Daniel is called into an interpreted dream. The King Nebuchadnezzar has had a dream that's that's been very disquieting to him. And he says, Hear the dream that I saw. Tell me its interpretation. Upon my bed, this is what I saw. There was a tree at the center of the earth. Its height was great. The tree grew great and strong. Its top reached to heaven, and it was visible to the ends of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful. Its fruit abundant. It provided food for all. The animals of the field found shade under it. The birds of the air nested in its trees. Jesus is drawing on that image that people in his culture would have been familiar with, this image of the, the great tree that, that provided shade and, and nesting space for birds. So he's saying, he's saying, you know that story about Nebuchadnezzar with the big tree? Well, they did, and here's what happened. He says, as I was listening, uh, as I continued looking in the visions in my head, there was a holy watcher coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, chop down the tree and chop off its branches. And so that's what made the dream so disquieting to Nebuchadnezzar. So he called in Daniel, and Daniel says to him, he says, The tree that you saw, which grew so great and strong, that its top reached to heaven, was visible. He says, It's you, O king. You have grown great and strong, but you're going to be chopped down. He says, You shall be driven away from human society until you have learned that the Most High has sovereignty over the kingdom of mortals. So Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is not like the greatest, the proverbial great kingdoms of earth. Nebuchadnezzar, king of, king of Babylon, um, he had enslaved the entire nation of Israel. So, so they knew what a big kingdom was like. And Jesus is saying it's not like that. If you have an image of a tree, and that's, that's what you think of as a big kingdom, Jesus says, no, this is something different. So if your image of what the better life is. If your image of a better life is to have a bigger house and a newer car, Jesus is saying, it's not like that. It's a different kind of life. It's not necessarily to have more money, but to have more peace with the money that you do have. He says, it's not necessarily to be married to a movie star, but to be in love with the person you are married to. He says, it's it's not necessarily to get straight A's in school, but to have clarity and purpose about why you're in school and what it is you want to do when you get out. Jesus says, 
that the kingdom of God is different from the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has a kingdom that you can be in awe of. You can go out and look at it and say, wow, that's a big kingdom. And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is is a homier thing. It's more pleasant. It's something you can imagine in your own life. It's not something you have to go out to the forest to see. It's something you can have right in your own garden. The kingdom of heaven is like a shrub. It's the greatest of all shrubs, but it's still like a shrub. So what's the application? What do we do with this? Well, the first part is 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 just to relax. Um, as the internet meme says, um, you should uh, keep calm and carry on. Right? Jesus... Jesus says, if you don't see it, that's okay. Maybe you do see it because it's making you uncomfortable. God is knocking things around and, and squeezing out parts of your life that you, you were kind of happy with because God's got a bigger purpose in mind. And that's okay too. But he says, if you don't see it, that's okay. You have a promise from God that the little seed that he planted is going to become a big plant. But he also says, maybe change the way you think of a better life. Instead of thinking about the kind of better life that Nebuchadnezzar have, think about the kind of better life of somebody who's content in their garden with a mustard plant that suits their needs. So, keep calm. Maybe change your expectations. And give grace to the people around you because they are doing the same thing. The kingdom of God is working out in them the way it's working out in you. So you say... Well, you know, I've been married to her for three years and she's not changed very much. Well, neither have you. But God's working in both of you. Okay? Give people grace. You say, these kids, they're driving me crazy. Well, God's working in them. Give them some grace. Because the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, the smallest seed that becomes the greatest plant. Thanks be to God. Amen.